Welcome to the Design to Lead Leadership Podcast, where we are helping you unleash your leadership potential. I'm your host, Casey Johnson, and you are listening to episode number five. Well, thank you so very much for joining us on the podcast today. It is certainly our privilege and our honor to be on this side of the microphone, always sharing with you the things that we have learned and the things that we are still learning in the area of leadership and how you can effectively lead your church to where God wants it to go. And so thank you so much for joining us today. I want to always make sure that you, the listener, know that we appreciate you. We couldn't do this without you, and we thank you for every time you listen, every time you share this podcast. We encourage you to go over to iTunes or a Podbean, wherever it is that you listen and consume this content, and please leave a review there. That always helps others to be able to find us, uh, and it always helps us to be able to draw more people into the leadership discussion. And so thank you so much for choosing to join us today. And listen, we've got a great episode for you today. We've got Pastor Ben Hackler, a good friend of mine. He's going to be with us today And he's going to be sharing with us some truth about how to lead a church through change. So you're going to want to make sure that you listen to this whole podcast, particularly if you are a young pastor, a young leader. He is going to give you some nuggets of wisdom that you really will need to know as you desire to lead your church to be the church that God wants it to be. So with that being said, let's jump into the discussion with Pastor Ben and myself today and give you some of the things that we believe will be important for you to lead your church to the next level. All right, Mr. Ben Hackler, uh, thank you so very much for joining me today on the podcast, man. Uh, It's good to have you. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Ben is a pastor at uh, First Baptist Sterlington, And uh, that's probably about 15 miles from where I'm pastoring. And so uh, uh, he's gotten to buy me lunch before, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, he's going to probably buy my lunch today, as a matter of fact. But, uh, hey, Ben, tell us a little bit about kind of where you've come from, your ministry journey, and how you got to the place where you're at today. Yeah, so um, I'm actually pastoring the church that I grew up in. My dad pastored there from 93 to 02. Um, I spent the first, um, I guess, 15 years of ministry in student ministry, places like uh, DeVille, Louisiana, Leesville, Louisiana, over at Swartz, and then left Swartz in 2010. Big towns. 2014, left Swartz and went to to Sterlington, and I've been there now for six years, but, uh, you know, having the benefit of going to a church you kind of knew or a little familiar with uh, definitely was was a huge part of my journey, and I think it's been something that's been good for us overall. So a snapshot there just quickly, but that's kind of the way it went, student ministry, yeah. and then uh, knew that God had called me to pastor, but but just the door hadn't quite opened yet, uh, and in 2014, we made the jump. Yeah, I actually met you, the first time I met you was when you were a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Remember that? It was at First Leesville, I believe, wasn't it? When you were down there ministering with uh, Grant? It was, uh, no, it was, uh, it was with Grant, but it was at the uh, Faith Training Academy. 
the private school that would have you come in oh, yeah, and do that's right. the, uh, that's right. the kickoff, and Grant would do the music. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, not you say that. I knew it was Leesville, but I couldn't remember. But uh, yeah, it was at the the Faith Training Academy. I do remember that. Now you probably walked out of there thinking, "Who in the world is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was a no. It was good. That was definitely a positive thing. And Grant was such a character anyway that if Grant likes you, it's, you're a pretty good. Son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I remember the first time I really met Grant. Uh, Whenever he, uh, this is Grant Blakeney for those of you who are listening, uh, another minister friend, but um, uh, he was married to uh, Angel. And the first time I met them, dude was playing the piano. And then he pulled over there on a violin. He played the violin. I was like, dude, my goodness. I said, you probably play the spoons too. And he, he broke out some spoons and started playing a tune on the spoons. I was like, good grief. No doubt, man. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite guys that I've worked with yeah. uh, anywhere. He was, he was fun, and he could do anything, play anything. So, uh, Well, uh, I know you're, that, you're there at uh, First Baptist Sterlington right now. And, of course, you know this podcast is all about leadership. And I know that you have led them. Over the last few years, um, through some transitions, maybe some changes that you've made there, and so uh, what? What are some of the challenges? Because I know other pastors will be listening. What are some of the challenges that you've discovered in trying to lead a church through change? I, I always tell pastors you can't force change, but you can lead change. So, what are some what are some things that you've discovered and challenges you've discovered in trying to lead change at a church? Yeah, so I think at First Baptist Sterlington, one of the, the biggest challenges out the gate uh, was just knowing where to start. Um, the church had gone through some transition. They had built a new facility, so we had some debt that we were trying to pay off. Um, congregation had dwindled to about an average of 85 for a morning worship service uh, in a sanctuary that sat 350. And yeah. so, um, uh, but then looking at some structured things, just knowing where to start, I think was the biggest challenge. Um, and so... Um, I kind of just had to make some decisions. And I think as a leader, sometimes coming in the door, you just have to decide where to start when there's right. so many things uh, you can get overwhelmed. And you're like, I don't, I don't know which part of this to tweak. Um, I tried to choose something that I thought was minor. Uh, turned out it was not as minor as what I was hoping. Right. And uh, probably I would say that to some young leaders, that things that you think are minor um, are major for some folks. And so yeah. just be careful. But knowing where to start was one. Uh, the other thing that we noticed quickly was um, – and the only term I know for it, Casey, is nose blindness, yeah. that there were some things the church had just gotten comfortable with and, and kind of done that, that maybe were um, not as inviting to outsiders. Uh, the language we used, the way that we did things. Uh, for example, one of the things I can think of, so when announcements were made, uh, even for guests, if we were having some type of uh, some training or a, a fellowship meal, well, it was always see sister so-and-so to sign up. Well, for a guest, they don't have right. any idea who yeah, sister, sister so-and-so <laughs> is. So, uh, you know, that's a, it was a minor one, and that one didn't cause us any friction. But it was just a nose-blind thing. It was something that uh, they had always done, and it had always been the way it was. And so nobody was thinking about, hey, what does it sound like right. uh, for an outsider or for someone who's not a part of this yet? And so um, helping them to see some of those things, or I guess the, the, to fit with that illustration, to smell some of those things was, right. yeah. was helpful um, And some of those. Um, I had a pastor tell me a long time ago that um, one of the challenges to uh, to churches growing and moving forward was uh, what he called um, the. Uh, well, I just left me look at that. That happens beautiful to me on all podcast, the time. right? It's, yeah. your, it's your fault. Yeah, but the exposure I can edit there it that is. Out. It came back. The exposure <laughs> principle, and I think you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. that leader or leaders, church folks, uh, and really across the board uh, in any uh, any arena that leadership are, can only grow to the place to which they've been exposed. If, if they can't, if they haven't seen it or haven't been exposed to the even the idea, 
they're not going to naturally go there. Right. And so the more that you and I can get people into places to show them some things, um, then those things can begin to happen. For me, right. one of my deacons has a daughter who's on staff at North Point Community Church in Atlanta. And so when I started talking about using language like small groups or, or even the language of outsiders and, and how to be right. more kind of guest-friendly and things, they had already experienced some of those things. And so he, he and his wife both were huge encouragements for yeah. some of those challenges. Um, well, I think that's a, just a, to just kind of hone in on that for a minute. I think it's really, really good to have those people in the congregation that are the cheerleader per se, oh, yeah. uh, on your team that really understands what you're trying to do to be able to, because there are going to be moments whenever you're going to hit that brick wall to have somebody else that says, hey, I get it, I understand, I know where you're headed, that's crucial. And oh, so yeah. to have somebody that already understands that's really big. Yeah, well, and, and on that same token, I think the thing that I discovered early, and for a lot of young leaders you'll discover this in the church, is that those who are your cheerleaders don't necessarily voice that all the time. Yeah. The thing that you're going to hear more than anything else are those that aren't in favor of whatever you're trying Squeaky to do. Squeaky wheel syndrome. And so I've had to encourage. <laughs> I've tried to encourage some of our leadership. Hey, look, if you agree with this, say so. Right. Like, you know, yeah. and, um, and having conversations like that because some folks just think that silence, oh, well, I'm, I'm not opposing you, so you have to know that I'm with you. But right. for those who are complaining or for those who don't like the direction, they take that silence as agreement with them. Right. And so it almost emboldens them. And so you got to have some folks that you figuring out who those folks are, man, who are the folks right. I can be honest with. And then I can walk through this with that, that when the time comes that they're going to be vocal and they're going to help right. us do the right things um, going through that. So I would say some of those that kind of a roundabout way of just some challenges that went on uh, and ongoing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right. not, some of those things haven't changed. Well, and I think that's in. something too, that a, that a young pastor, really, really all of us pastors need to realize and understand is that uh, change is, is always present. I mean, there, as long as we continue to live and tarry, as they say, until the Lord comes, things are going to be changing. So we got to constantly be adapting and changing. Our message of the gospel never changes, but some of the things that we do and the way we do things does change. And so, uh, it's always an ever-present process of changing, 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 changing. And if you forget that, then death is coming quickly. Right. You oh, know, yeah. and that's a fact. And, well, uh, and the truth is that, that I think even as a young pastor coming in, um, you know, one of the things I had told our church coming in was I wanted a whiteboard. Like, I wanted to be able to take the ministry and yeah. let's take a whiteboard. Um, but I think some of that was a little bit of arrogance. Yeah. That I'm just telling them, hey, nothing you're doing is working. And right. Um, and so even figuring out my own limitations, but, but the idea of change was if I can change it, we'll get to where we never have to change again, even right. though I wouldn't voice it that way. Or maybe I feel like I thought it that way in yep, some ways right, that if right. I could just make these one or two changes, um, then everything's going to, to be fixed. Well, right. no, it's like you said, everything is Every, constantly yeah. changing. What, what worked for one season may, may need to be shifted or may need to be tweaked or whatever to work for another season. Um, yeah. It's not that it was bad during that season. It worked during that season, but we're in a new season, so you need to shift gears and change and stuff. So, yeah, forgetting what forgetting what you're going to say and coughing is really good for podcasts. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that ear went off, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, and, 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 and on that same token, I mean, think about the season we're in right now with this yeah. whole COVID-19. Um, most of us are it's not like doing word. the same thing that we were doing yeah. five months ago. Correct. And uh, if you were stuck on, hey, we have to do things the way that I said we have to, you hadn't been able to do most yeah, of that. Yeah. 
And so for me, I think even that that, that has been a challenge that's been good, though, to remind right. us, hey, let's let's look for the best way for the gospel to go forward yeah. and for people to grow in their relationship It's with definitely made um, people have to rethink how they do things and, um, you know, the manner in which we try to accomplish the task of getting the gospel out. I've, I've been talking to some guys, particularly some older guys. I had one older guy in our revitalization class. Um, he, he got to the point through all of this where he said, you know what? He said, this has made me realize I have absolutely zero way to connect with my people through all this because he didn't have any electronics. They didn't have any. He had no means Mm -hmm. except for just a regular phone call to his church members. (laughs) And so he realized that, hey, I'm kind of behind the times on the electronics. And even though I'm not an electronics person, I still need to have the electronics, mm-hmm. utilize electronics for when times like this come, I can still reach my people through, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or whatever. But, I mean, he realized through this COVID-19 situation that he was just so far behind everybody yep. else, you know. I mean, and I've, I felt we had all that, but I still felt like we were behind uh, in, in, in a lot of ways in that. I can't imagine where he was at, you know, not no. having any of it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, of course, I did learn without a shadow of a doubt that there is a difference between having a YouTube channel where your sermons are posted, <coughs> excuse me, and having live stream. Huge difference. <laughs> yeah, to, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah, more equipment and more aggravation goes into yeah, live stream than uh, just yeah. filming the now, sermon. live stream never fails, right? It yeah, always right. stays. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get those little messages on there. Can't hear you. It can't. Your your mic's not on. You're like, oh my bad. I, I did love. I just did, I, this is totally. You can edit this out if you want to. But I talked to another pastor friend who is. They're doing live stream and uh, everything was working. But he got one of those messages that, yeah. hey, can't hear you. Yeah. Or, or no, I'm sorry. The message was it's too loud. It's too loud. Yeah. And he just sent back and said, well, turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching it on your TV. Yes. Turn your You're in control. <laughs> Well, you know, it's getting used to the electronics, That's right. I guess. So That's right. I, uh, well, well, I want to kind of segue into this because, I mean, you know, I think for both of us, um, and you're not quite as old as I am, but we're both fairly young leaders, but um, I don't think you're as old as me. How old I'm are you? I'm not. Nowhere close. No, nowhere close? I haven't even hit the 4-0 yet. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, gosh, you're just a child. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so um, in, in trying to lead our churches through change and all of the things that um, we have to do to do that, I don't know about you, and I'm sure this is the case, but for me, um, you know, I just think it's important for us to continue to learn through other people that have been there and done that. So how important, if you could elaborate on this, how important do you think it is for a leader um, to continue to grow from other leaders? I mean, just kind of address that. that. And I I go back to that exposure principle I mentioned a moment ago, that I want to keep exposing myself to different ways of thinking. Right. Because as we talk about things changing, somebody has already made the changes that you and I are wrestling with. Right. and so if I can find those things, I can learn uh, from what mistakes they've made. Yeah. I've still got to contextualize it for, for what I need to do, but I can learn from the mistakes they made. I can figure out how they communicated it, what they worked with. And then a lot of times, even with um, if it's a leader that you don't really know, you can reach out to them and, and find a connection point to say, hey, just tell me about, about this thing and, and right. what you guys did here. Um, we've done some of that from our church, so some larger churches that were using 
like an, a, a guest kind of on-ramp called Starting Point. And, yeah. you know, we've had conversations with churches that use that and say, hey, tell us about this. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're working to contextualize that for yeah. us. Obviously, we can't do it in the same scale that some folks do, but – uh, but I think it's just vital. I think if, if you stick yourself in your office and, and you just uh, you just worry about what you're going to preach next and you don't think about, hey, leadership-wise, structure-wise, um, man, the Lord can, can bless your preaching, but he also wants to bless you as a pastor, the right. shepherd of the flock. Yeah. Um, and so you've you got to keep looking and got to keep exposing yourself. And I think that's in Scripture. I mean, guys like sure. Paul and Timothy, you know, very clear strategy for Timothy to ask Paul questions and, right. and tell me about this and yeah. show me this and— um, I think we all need that. And, sure. and, and I, I know that even with uh, my dad's a pastor and has been for, for all of my life that he's still looking for leaders. And so I think we, we learn that. And then you see it from older guys. Um, we need that just as much as anybody else. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's vital. Well, I think, I think you, um, you mentioned something a couple times there when you were talking about, um, contextualizing. I, I think that's very important for a young leader to realize and understand really not a young leader, but any leader, um, it's there's really no one size fits all yeah. for the church because every church has its own personality. Every church has, um, you know, it's just different. You know, a church that's in the city is different than a church that in a that's in a rural area. And so, I, you know, I think that's important for guys to remember that what works at Ben's church may not work exactly right at my church. Mm-hmm. I may be able to pull some things from what he's doing, but I have to contextualize it to make it fit yeah. for where I'm at and the people that I have. And so I think that's important. Um, and number two, you were talking about asking those questions and stuff. Now I'm, I'm one of those people, man, that I will call folks and say, Hey, can I have lunch with you? And, uh, I just like to ask you a few questions mm-hmm. about this and this and this and this. And what I usually do is I try to find somebody who's, um, you know, let's just say if we're at a church, you know, my church, and this was true when my church was about 300, um, I was, looking for people in our area that I, that it was logical for me to meet with guys who had churches around 500 or 600 because I felt like we were at a, a, a level to where we needed to take another step and I wasn't sure what step to take. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to ask them questions of like, you know, what can I look for? What did you experience mm-hmm. in trying to grow from 300 to 500? And again, for those who are listening, you know, the question always comes up, is it all about numbers? <laughs> no, it's not about numbers, but numbers are people. Yep. And so I'm, I'm wanting to reach more people for the sake of the gospel. You know, that's kind of like folks saying, well, I want to go to this church because it's a smaller church. And you're like, well, you know, you don't want it to stay that way, do you? You want to reach people, right? right? So I'm thinking about reaching people and getting to that next level uh, uh, numerically. And so I just want to know how those guys did it. I want to know some of the pitfalls. Like, what do I need to avoid? What do I need to think about? You know, so I'm up. I'm a guy yeah. that'll. Uh, you say that you I'll say, ask questions. As you say that, case about the numbers, you know, yeah. I get caught there sometimes, and yeah. I think the the thing I've had to learn to do is kind of distance myself from looking at it so much, yeah. and mm-hmm. making sure it's not the goal. Yeah. But I'm reminded that in the Old Testament there is a book called Numbers. Numbers. Yeah. That it, right. you know, that God gave us some things. You and, go, uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so God counts things. <laughs> yeah. So I want to count some things. To, right. To not for that to be the ultimate metric. Yeah. But it is a metric. Yeah. It tells me some things. Correct. Um, and, and so, you know, Rick Warren says that well, that, you know, that, that he's the one that kind of points out, like, there's a book called Numbers, but numbers yeah. are people. Yeah. And as pastors, we got to know that better than anybody else. Right. We're not Starbucks. We're not, uh, we're not Walmart. We're not right. just counting heads coming in the door. Man, we want to count people that we're engaging 
but I got to know what I do and how I engage 400 people, 500 people right. is different than how I engaged 40 people. Right. Exactly. And so you got to know that. And yeah, I think that's know. the exposure to lead, leaders that are doing that down the road. And it's just wise for us to learn. Yeah. I think it's just seeing the numbers correctly. Right. Not, not falling, like you said, falling into the trap of going, this whole thing is about numbers, you know, yeah. but as far as from my perspective as a leader, I try to evaluate everything that we do. And one of the crucial components to evaluation is numbers. Right. And so from a financial perspective, from a just a numerical perspective, um, from you know how many classes we have, you know, all of that kind of stuff, how many people are in those classes and when yeah. do we multiply and make another class, you know, all that kind right. of stuff. So numbers are a huge part of that, but um, I think it is definitely uh, yeah. a temptation to see them incorrectly. And, right. and be trapped by them yep. as opposed to, like, for example, let's just say it's 400 people. I can have 400 people and really only be making 150 meaningful connections with people. But what I would like to do is get to the place to where we're making 400 meaningful connections with people. Yeah. And, you know, some guys do that really well and they know how to transition well and you can see that. Uh, in the evidence of their church. And so I just want to ask them guys questions, man. I, I want to call, hey, this is Casey Johnson from Bonita Road. Can you tell me what you did, you yeah. know? Um, so so in thinking about that, I think we would both agree that it's important that leaders would continue to learn from others. So if that's true in Ben Hackler's life, all right? <laughs> so tell me some leaders that have influenced your leadership style. Now, let me just break it down into two different categories leaders leaders from um personal perspectives and leaders from like long distance perspectives yeah. you know people that you actually yeah. deal with and talk to on the phone or something and then other people that you just kind of that are maybe more famous people right yeah no <laughs> if doubt. that's a good word for yeah, christianity that you say famous you, people you know what you just know about them yeah that's, you right. See what that's exactly right uh, yeah. yeah i actually had, had in my mind had kind of already separated that out um, you know, for me personally, I don't think there's been a more influential in my life uh, person than my dad. Yeah. Uh, watching him in ministry, seeing what he's done, um, and even now kind of uh, being able to minister in a church that he's been at. Now, we didn't follow each other. There were two pastors in between us, uh, but he was aware of a lot of the guys, still had relationships with some of the deacons. Um, and so being able to go into him in confidence sometimes and saying, hey, look, help me now to know who can I trust and, and who, right. how, how have things worked in the past? Give me some history here. Um, and then watching his pastoral style, I think I'm not as good pastorally as he is, um, but I'm but I'm learning from him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, and I'm probably partial, but when it comes to a, a guy whose heart is pastoring, not yeah. just preaching, but pastoring, man, I just think my dad's been one of those guys for me that's like, man, I need to I need to sharpen that a little bit. I need to right. get better at listening and and being in the moment with people. Um, so I would say my dad probably, and that's not just a you know a, a pat on his back, but it just is. I yeah. think other guys that know him would echo that. Yeah. Um, in that way, um, another guy was Chad Merrill. When I first got to Sterling, yeah. he and I had just developed a relationship, and uh, he's gotten big and famous now, I guess, in the podcast world. But uh, I still <laughs> Chad, say that I, I know you're him. listening, buddy. <laughs> still say that I know. Him. In fact, talked to him this morning. Yeah. And uh, but Chad was a guy that helped me think through and did a lot of what you're talking about, asking the right questions. Yeah. And so I learned that from Chad, trying to learn to add, you know, ask the right questions and and knowing when to press and when not to press. Um, another guy that, that I called early that's, I think, as far as church size, is a little bit further down the road or is definitely a lot further down the road than I am, uh, was a guy like Bill Dye. Yeah. Um, you know, Bill and I, Bill's in, at North Monroe Baptist Church, and um, 
uh, at a much larger church than I am, but but Bill's a guy who's been willing to give me some time, yeah, um, and answer questions, takes my phone calls, answers a text, and then even in in times of crisis has been one uh, who's checked on me and right. done that, and so I've been able to learn some leadership things from him. Uh, he started out much like us and kind of a a church that was you know two hundred ish maybe maybe less, and then worked his way at the same church, seeing it grow um, from his time in Texas, and of course now at North Monroe. Um, but been through some of the hurdles that, that I'm going through. And so being right. able to listen to him and talk to him uh, has been super helpful. So those are guys that I, that I know. And then I've got younger, you know, younger guys and other guys. And, uh, obviously, you and I have a relationship, and we've talked a, at length about yeah, a lot yeah, of these I things. Yeah, I teach you a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've, you've shown me a lot not, not, <laughs> a lot not of to what do. not to do. No, That's I'm just right. kidding. But then even in case, here's the thing I think for a leader – and I read it this week, and I don't know, I don't even know who said it, so I can't give credit to it, but it's not my original, but I see it in my life, is um, I am still a young leader. You and I right. both said that, but there are a lot of leaders behind us. Right, that's true. And the thing that I've learned is I, I don't have as much as I would like to teach them, but I'm learning a lot from those younger guys. And so I've got a guy that was in my youth group back in uh, DeVille, Louisiana, that's now pastoring in Baton Rouge, uh, Progression Church, Brian Crane. And I mean, I learned from from him and from his associate guys, uh, Joe Ashley and Joe Handy. I learned as much from them as I've ever given to them. Right. And I think as a leader, sometimes it's important not always to look ahead, like who's where I want to be. Right. But who's behind me coming? And right. What are, are they doing? Some things that that will teach me and it will help shape me. And uh, yeah, not only learn. can I continue to pour into them, but what can I learn from? Right. Them? Yeah. Because yeah. I think they think differently than we do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've grown if up they in, in their twenties. They teach. Yeah. <laughs> they think different. No than doubt. We do. Well, these guys are a little further than they're that, but they're still behind. Yeah. Still, yeah. still behind me as far as the timeline goes. And. Uh, man, to being able to learn from both yeah. folks ahead of you, folks behind you, and then folks who are in the same season as you. Sure. Um, then when it comes to guys that I don't don't have a relationship with that I read or whatever, um, you know, I, I think obviously probably just you know stock answers. When it comes to leadership, uh, Andy Stanley really is a guy that I look at a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he's made some decisions in recent days that folks, you know, have questions about or whatever, but he still owns his decision right. and is willing to go on stage and say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're doing. Here's how yeah. we think Jesus would have handled it. Um, but then just watching the way that he kind of leads through um, landmines of culture and things, you know, yeah. uh, I've read a lot of that, seen a lot of that, and I won't say that I always am on par with him and thinking right. the same sure. way, but is a guy that, that I think is helpful yeah. that um, is in kind of the same vein of yeah. evangelicalism as I am. Um, and then, of course, uh, for me as a young leader, J.D. Greer, just the way yeah. that he preaches and does and leads has been a guy that's been uh, tremendously uh, influential. Um, and that's probably the, 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 the other one that I would have to throw in there. Um, not really a, a leader out front, but he is a guy that I read a lot, a lot or have read a lot of what he's said and done. I uh, would be a guy like Nick Ripkin. Um, I don't know if probably a lot of folks aren't familiar. Nick yeah, I'm not wrote a book called him, The Insanity yeah. of God. Uh, just about God's presence in hard places in the, in the world. He kind of tracks suffering and persecution and, and has a whole story. Um, but reading him has helped me balance out, hey, here's the mission of the church versus um, all the things I feel like I got to get done for vision and clarity. Yeah. Um, and so reading guys like Andy and JD, who although are pointing me to scripture, Nick's kind of given me a mission part of this and reminded yeah. me, hey, you know, he's got a devotional called The Insanity of Sacrifice and how yeah. crazy it is of what Jesus has done for us and our lives should mirror that. Yeah. Um, so those are three guys that, that, that kind of, I, I kind of keep my, my thumb on and, and reading and what they put out and do. Um, you know, we could probably talk at length about several other guys yeah. that in some 
shape or form have, have yeah. influenced, but those three are probably three that I keep pretty close. Right. Um, and then obviously blogs by Kerry Newhoff, Tony Morgan. Yeah. Those guys both are huge when it comes to just projecting. Right. And are, you, are you a podcast guy too? Do you a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah I, you know, you and I talked earlier about the established church podcast. Right. I've listened to that one a little yeah. bit. Um, and then typically I'm just going and listening to sermons. Like I'm yeah, just right. trying to get me some, you know, not, yeah, not so to repreach. So if you established guys are listening to this podcast, which you're probably not, <laughs> but if you are, just share this with everybody, please. That's right. That's right. I gave you a plug, a free <laughs> plug right. there free plug. Uh, on that. But yeah, you know, those. And then um, I'm also learning to learn from folks outside the church world. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, guys just in leadership, even in the local community. You know, I've yeah. got some friends that are, uh, business owners or their lawyers or doctors. And so I'm just trying to learn from them. Yeah. Hey, what works in your practice? What? Yeah. Let, 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 let me, let me focus in on that for just a minute. Okay. But, and I want you to get your thoughts on this because, um, every so often, because I, I, I personally believe that, um, some business principles, uh, and the way we do church principles can overlap mm-hmm. in a sense, even though one is spiritual and one is just secular. So sometimes people will say, you can't run a church like a business. So what, what would be your response to a person that would say, you can't run a church like a business? Yeah. We, and we understand it's not a business, but, but there are principles that overlap. Absolutely. So what, Yeah, so my, my first response to that is, well, I would agree to a point because a business has one purpose. Yeah. It's to make money. Make money, yeah. Well, if the church is about making money, then we've totally missed the heart right. of Jesus. But... A business also wants to be effective in connecting with its customer or its clients. Right. The church wants to be effective yeah. in those ways. And so one of the places that I found a lot of common ground, um, I do some chaplain work with Strongstown High School, and uh, I've got a really good relationship with the principal there, Jason Thompson, and the head football coach, uh, Lee Doty. And as I talk to those guys about what they do, now that's not necessarily a business, I and mean, it's education in a right. sense, but what they do leadership-wise for a school and for a football team, you talk about some overlap yeah, um, yeah. dealing with people and, and expectations and trying to motivate folks and getting them on the right path. And um, I think that, that we've used that the church is not a business. Most of the times that's something that somebody's saying because they're threatened by, well, you, you mean we're not going to run this the way we've always run this? Right, right, um, correct. Or not doing it the way they yeah, want to or be you, done. you're not running it the way that I want to, so I yeah. want to make sure that you know and I think we just got to be careful. You want to yeah. weigh that. I sure. know a wise leader once told me that every complaint or everything that comes against you, there's always a grain of truth in there somewhere. Right. So you want to weigh through, okay, why are you saying that? Um, and if it's because you think that I'm after your pocketbook or you think it's just that I want to make a name for myself, well, I need to find out what I've done to make you think make that. You let's think that let's deal with that on a personal level. Right. And then organizationally, just know that, yeah, we're going to run things a little different. I mean, for example, one of the things that was done um, in a lot of small churches or, or even just churches, even larger churches, was everything was committee run for so long. Right. That you had to have 17 committee meetings and then you could change the size of the toilet paper rolls in the bathroom. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and for a, for whatever reason, that was the way things were done. Yeah. Well, I don't know about it at your church and other churches, but at my church, if we need new toilet paper, let's just go get it. There's right. a budget line for that. It's been approved by the church. You know, let's just go do that. Right. Um, and so I think that businesses can teach us how to be a little more effective and a little more efficient with our time. Right. I don't want to pull people out of their homes for a meeting about toilet paper or carpet yeah. color or, right. you know, some of those things, you know, you just got to be wise. And I think the longer sure. you're at a church, you kind of learn those things. Right. But no, I want to learn from some other guys. How, what's the most efficient, effective way? Yeah, that's to the, lead and I think that's and, the principle that overlaps right there: efficiency. Yeah, 
let's do what we do, whether it's in business or in a church, let's do it efficiently. Yeah. Let's not waste time. Let's not, which is valuable to people today right. in today's world. So let's not waste their time. Let's just be efficient in what we're doing, but we're being efficient for the glory of God, not to make money. Yeah. Does that make any sense? So I, I, I'm definitely with you on that. I think there are a lot of principles that overlap. And uh, I do cringe sometimes when people say that because um, I do think sometimes it comes back to a, you know, a, a, the old way of doing something yeah. instead of the way we're doing it right now. Um, but I also think that there is a danger in trying to be too much like right. a business. You know, uh, there are some things that don't overlap. Yeah, but there well, are some things that businesses do. tend to feel cold sometimes. Right, you're just going there for a service. Right. Um, but you take a business like Chick-fil-A, and why do you like Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Well, you like it because when you walked in that door, not only was the chicken good, you knew what you were going to get, Yeah. but but they were going to say, hey, it's good to see you today. Yeah, and, that's and right. They're yeah. going to interact with you, and they've worked hard on that. Well, the church ought to be a, yeah. a similar. We ought to yeah. mirror some of that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's nothing better in this world, period, hands down, bar none, than pulling up in the morning to a Chick-fil-A and ordering the them little chicken minis and getting some Polynesian sauce and when you drive away they say have a nice day sir and you get to eat that that's heavenly is that a tear in your eye it is tear I'm emotional about that that's Jesus chicken and I love it oh uh, yeah and if you're listening Chick-fil-A <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. you can tell everybody about this podcast <laughs> no and I did the thing but even on the efficiency thing and I know you, you can edit some of this or whatever you need to do but on the um, on the on the leadership or on the, the, the efficiency thing there, COVID nineteen has helped us with some of that. Right. Like I know as a preacher, um, I was typically pre COVID. I'm thirty five minutes in lots of points and lots of places. Right. And knowing that we were going to be on video for two months, yeah. or, well, we didn't know that when we started. We thought it was going to be for three weeks, but but going into that, one of the things we had to do was be able to refine our messages down to twenty right. twenty five minutes. Because you want people to stick around. Well, yeah. What that helped me do was start to, hey, what what do I, what is the point of this yeah, sermon? Right. What do yeah. I need to clearly say when people walk away from it? They can say, here's what he here's what he said. Here's the scripture, and here's here's the essentials. We're doing a series called Keep It Simple right now. Right. Yeah. In preaching, I'm learning that. Like, yeah. What is right. the the simple things? And if it's yeah, true, I just, preaching, I just I just simply cut the music. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the music. Sorry for you music guys yeah. listening, but, That's right, but yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, but but that is true. I mean, it, it helped you. It did help you kind of simplify and become more efficient in a lot of ways. Not yeah. not even just that, but just a whole bunch of ways. You yeah. know, the way you the way you spent money, the way that you you know drove people to the internet and different things like that. It really really made you hone your skills of going, okay, just how can we be as efficient as a possible in the short amount of time that we have yeah. to make sure we keep them engaged? Because you know how you know how it is, man. I oh, mean, yeah. at church, it's hard to keep them engaged for an hour. If they're sitting on their couch at the house <laughs> and you're trying to keep them engaged for an hour, you better throw a deer hunt or something, something. in there uh, <laughs> in the middle of the message to, yeah. uh, you yeah. know. Which, you know, it is a leader. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Eric Geiger and Tom Rainer wrote a book. Uh, man, it's probably been 10 plus years ago now. A book called Simple Church. Uh-huh. Where in Simple yep. Church, they told us, hey, you need to begin to simplify things. You know, churches that do a thousand things probably aren't doing a thousand things really well. So, so figure out what the essential things are. Do those really well and simplify things. And uh, everybody kind of read that book and was like, yeah, that sounds good. And then this season hits and it's like, 
we're all doing yeah, it. We're all what doing we've that all now. kind of been yeah. forced into yeah. it. I've um, talked about that book here and talked about that principle here at our church to let's just do a few things and do them really yeah. well. One of our core values is excellence. So we want to do everything we do excellently. Um, but we don't want to get so so wide that we just you know right. doing so many things that nothing is good you know yeah you can and, do uh, everything it yeah, doesn't mean that right. you should do everything yeah that's right that's exactly right yeah okay so let's let's transition transition into this um, this next kind of statement I, I thought I heard somebody knock on the door but uh, anyway so here's the deal what are some things that you have learned not to do as a leader um, and you learn those things the hard way. Well, I go back to when we started this. I told you about some, I just mentioned in passing, some things, some challenges. Uh, there were some decisions that were minor, that, that I thought were minor, that ended up being major, um, that caused a little riff and wasn't sure uh, we would get through those. And so one of the, the things I learned not to do was assume. Yeah, um, right. Don't, don't ever assume that, that you understand how somebody's going to feel about your own decisions. Yeah. Um, and then I'm learning that don't always assume that your decision is the right decision. Right. Be willing to listen to some guys. Um, and I'll just give you an example, and I don't if anybody from our church listening to this, I don't think this is a a top secret thing. But when I first got there, there was a, a group um, that was meeting on Sunday nights after church, right? And um, and we're just walking through the Bible. They would take the Bible, they would read it, and just, hey, what does this mean to you? And they'd go around the room and talk about verses. And it wasn't a bad thing, yeah. But um, that same group of people really weren't connected into a small group. They weren't. Uh, they were in church. Some of them were some of the leaders of our church, and so they were serving in different ministry capacities. Um, but I knew that for our church to grow, we had to create ways to connect young families. Right. Um, and so we, uh, I guess I kind of decided, hey, look, let's take this group, let's break it in two and kind of um, make it home groups. Yeah. We didn't really have space for Sunday school and Sunday mornings, and if we did, um, all of their kids were going to amplify kind of the issue we would have on Sunday mornings. And so just kind of I talked to a few of those guys about that, didn't communicate to the whole group. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I thought, well, if anybody in the church is willing to grow and go, these are the guys. And they were, but I didn't do the work of communicating. communicating and, of, and, and I assumed that, oh, yeah, they're going to love this. Well, some of them didn't love it. Right. And, uh, man, it caused some rough things. And it's still six years in. It's one decision I look back to and go, man, if I had it to do over, Right. I would have done that differently. Yeah. I would have communicated. I would have made clear uh, kind of where we were going and why we were going and not just, hey, here's what, what we're going to do. Right. right. Um, so that, I think that don't assume um, it was one thing I, I learned. Um, and then communication is the other piece of that. Just yeah. make sure you communicate. Yeah. More times than not, the trouble that I found myself in, and, I, and like I said, we've not had any major issues at sure. First Arlington, um, but the trouble I found myself in was simply because I didn't tell anybody. Right. I just did yeah. it and assumed, yeah. hey, you'll... You'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah. no, that people need to know. Yeah. Um, kind of why are we doing this and yeah. what's what's driving this decision? And it's not always people who oppose you. So a lot of times it's people who want to be with you. Right. They're just not sure where you're going or yeah. what are you changing for change's sake or are you changing because you think it's more effective um, and things than that. So I had to to do that. And then the other thing that has come back to kind of be a challenge for me is. Um, I've got silent expectations. Well, you probably don't do this, yeah. but I have a way that I expect things to be. Right. When yeah. we, from from Sunday morning worship services to small group leadership to kids ministry, youth ministry, across the board, I've got some things that I just expect, things that right. I did that um, I forget that everybody doesn't have the same experience, doesn't right. have the same expectation. And so I find myself being frustrated sometimes with uh, with, with an area of ministry because – 
they're not doing what I expected. Right. But I've never yeah. told them right. what my yeah. expectation yeah. is. You I've should never, just know what I'm thinking. Yeah. You should just do what, what's inside my head, which could yeah. be a scary thing. But yeah. Uh, but you know, I think those are some things that that I've learned not to do. Voice your expectations. And, right. You know, we hired an, an associate pastor uh, back in December. And he's helping me do some of those things, the right. things that I've been thinking. Now I'm talking to him about we're able to put plans and things around and uh, and kind of begin to express those expectations. Sure. And so uh, I think those have been things that just learn. Yeah. Um, so 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 my, my last question on here was to give me three or four things that you think would be very beneficial for young preachers. So I'm just going to go out on the limb and say that that would be one of them that communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If if you're coming into a situation as a young preacher and you think, um, everybody's just going to do whatever you say, one, you got the wrong idea of ministry and two, they're not, it's not going to happen. Um, there are some, some ways that, that you kind of can do. Uh, I tell people, you know, the honeymoon phase can can last a lot longer than a year or two yeah. if you'll lead well. Yeah. And uh, even with my mistakes, I still feel like in some ways at first start, and I keep waiting on the other shoe to drop in some ways because I can tend to be a, a pessimist or what some of you guys would call a realist. Yeah, um, right. You know, uh, and waiting on what when, – and we've had some bad things happen, but in those moments of bad things happening, God's been faithful and uh, has covered kind of my mistakes in some ways and then right. even granted some wisdom um, in those things. But but I think the biggest thing for, for, for a young leader is – Put some people around you that right. you trust and that you can listen to. And some of that you can find if you're going into an established church, you can find some of that by befriending the former pastor or a former pastor right? in some ways. Just reach out and say, hey, look, I'm just trying to, to, to just understand where I'm at and what's going on. Um, a lot of those guys, unless it was really bad, which you'll probably need to find out before you call that yeah, pastor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but if those guys left on good terms, they're, they're willing to say, man, here's three guys that, that I really yeah. trusted and that I think would benefit you. Yeah. Um, and, and I would keep it positive. I wouldn't ask for who are the three guys that I don't need to trust. Yeah. Because um, I have learned in ministry that people have told me about that, that about folks before, and I never had a chance to have a good relationship with that person because right. – it was already tainted before we ever started. Sure. Yeah. Um, but surround yourself with people that you can trust and, yeah. then, and then rely on some of those guys. Um, and then I think another principle that I'm learning is the folks that you've got doing youth ministry, your kids ministry, your preschool ministry, your small group leaders, trust them to do their jobs and then equip them to yeah. do their jobs. Yeah. Uh, find ways to connect them with coaches and mentors who can, can help them. And if you've got experience in those areas, don't be afraid to jump into that and say, hey, look, here's some things that worked for me. Right. Um, That's one of the hard ones to do is to trust other people to do because um, you have expectations of how you want it to be done, how you think it should be done. Um, maybe in an excellent way, you know, I know for us, that's a core value of ours is excellent. So we want everything to be done excellently. And sometimes it's hard to turn that loose and let them, yeah. what we call fail forward. If, if they're going to fail at it, let, you know, help them yeah. fall forward, but to learn in the process to keep it going, but you got to trust them to do what you've asked them to do, yeah. you know, give well, the expectations up front, communicate it well, and then trust them to do it. And then, if it falls, help them learn from that and fall forward. Yeah, and as the leader, be willing to own their mistakes sometimes. Yes, right. You know, I think the tendency is, oh, no, I gave that to you. You failed. Yeah, right. And yeah. then you throw them under the bus. And as a leader, 
Yeah. I, there was enough grace there that if they fail, hey, it's okay. Yeah, right. I mean, unless it really caused a major yeah, or, destruction. Or it's my fault I didn't communicate that well right. enough to you, you yeah, know, yeah. or whatever. But even um, to own it so your team knows, hey, if we take this step, if we take this risk, my pastor's got my back. That right, was one thing for right. me in ministry that it happened sometimes, and then I remember times that it didn't, and the times that it didn't far outweigh the times that it did. Yeah. Um, but when your pastor would tell you, hey, I've got your back no matter what, Yeah. Um, man, it just created some freedom there. Yeah. And, I, and I think we as young pastors and leaders – we got to do that for our team. Right. I agree. I think that's good. That that support, uh, it does provide freedom for you to be able to make decisions and know that if it if it gets messed up or if you do it wrong that, you know, you're not fired, but it's a learning experience, yeah. you know. I mean, unless you do it three times and then you're yeah, out. Unless it's a habit. <laughs> if it's a habit Strike it's three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the communication line gets a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, any other last words from Ben Hackler? Uh, that the people out there listening, all three of them, uh, would say that is very wise. I don't know you about got that. It? I mean, very wise. I, I think, uh, I'll, and again, the same words from Ben Hacker, just things that I've learned. I, I think some of the best advice I've ever been given is don't overwork yourself in ministry. Yeah. I think it's easy to. Mm-hmm. We feel like we're always available. And I've got folks who tell me, man, you're just on your own 24-7. Don't be. Yeah. Find you some ways to, to do that. My dad told me a long time ago to divide my days into thirds yeah. and give two of them to the church. Yeah. But one third of that day is, is for me, it's for my family, it's for my soul, my heart, That's a good point. my mind. And uh, Now, I would tell you that there are seasons where that, that shifts sometimes. Right. Yeah. But in ministry, you're always going to make it up. Don't worry about it. If right. you take two days off this week, don't worry about it. Next week's probably going to give you no yeah. days off, so That's it's right. going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but just learn that you don't have to be a workaholic. Yeah. And I think a lot of young leaders coming up, They've got drive and you've got passion. And, and even myself, I find myself sometimes doing six, seven days a week. And, uh, man, just remember, if you don't protect you, nobody else is going to slow you down. Right, yeah. Um, and so put yourself some parameters up and, and give the Lord what is required of you. He wants you to love Him with everything that you are. You can't do that if you're worn out and burned right. out. So, yeah, I think that I think that also goes back to making sure you got a good team yeah. that can, you know, help you and be there for you and all that. Because, I mean, I struggle with that because I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a, I want everything to be excellent. And so, you know, yep. there, you know, there's times whenever I'm like, like old Dennis, we're going to have to get him credit for that two-thirds <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, that's brilliant. But but there are times whenever, you know, I don't do I give all the thirds to the right. to the church or the ministry or or whatever. So that that's good advice. Um, and I've been in that situation before where it almost even cost me my marriage when I was younger um, because I allowed ministry to become my God instead of the Lord being my God. Right. And uh, that's a dangerous place to be, and uh, you got to guard against that. But um, that's good wisdom for sure <clears throat> for younger leaders. So absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, man, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, I think this thing right here is probably going to get all kind of downloads, um and uh you're gonna be famous you're gonna be almost as famous as chad merrill oh man Man, i've made it i hope he listens to this he will i'll send him the link yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) well it's been good man i appreciate you uh, uh joining me today well that's gonna do it for today's episode of design to lead and ben hackler certainly gave us some words of wisdom throughout that discussion of how we can effectively lead our churches through change. There were several things that really stuck out in my mind. The first thing was, the very first thing he said, you have to start somewhere. 
And though that place that you start may be small to you, it may be large to someone else. So make sure that you go slow and you communicate, communicate, communicate. Don't be afraid to ask questions, ask advice of those who have already done the things that you are trying to do. And listen, trust your leadership to fail and to fail forward. That's just a few of the things that really jumped out in my mind, but I want to encourage you to go back and listen to this podcast again so that you can just capture every nugget of truth that Ben shared uh, with us today. And listen, share this with someone else so that they may be encouraged that they can lead their church forward through this change.